And so I'm convinced you can take seriously what he says in the Bible. I'm convinced that those who are his are safe forever. But here's the bit I'm not sure about. How do I know about me? Objectively, there's lots of things I'm convinced are true, but subjectively, I know in the Bible there are some that convince themselves, kid themselves, fool themselves that they're all right with God and they're not really. How do I know if I am one of those or if I'm all right? And I was able to say to her, it's a thrill that you're asking that in a week where I'm thinking about where I'm studying, preparing to speak on John 10. And given that I'm sure that everyone here who would call himself a Christian at some point has or will ask that question, certainly will be asked by someone else that question, how do I know if I'm a Christian or not? John 10 is a wonderful place to be looking because John 10 will help us work out. Jesus, all through this chapter, as Matt said, has been saying, I am the good shepherd who looks after my sheep. And here we see, what. how do we know who are Jesus' sheep? How do we know, am I one of Jesus' sheep? Who he'll look after, or am I kidding myself? That's what John 10 uh, will do for us. And actually, maybe counterintuitively, John 10 will do that by not mainly talking about us, but by mainly talking about Jesus. Who Jesus is, especially what Jesus has done, will help us answer the question, answer the question for ourselves, am I really a Christian or am I kidding myself? So let's jump in and look at uh, John 10. Really, the second half of John 10, verse 22 to 42, John has one big agenda, one big idea. He wants us to know that the Father and the Son are one in their works. God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, are one in their works. And so we're just going to whiz through this section and just see that is the big theme that keeps coming out. And then we'll zoom in at a couple of verses to see what that work is and how it helps us know, am I really a Christian? But the Father and the Son, they're one in their works. I look at that, we'll pick it up again from verse 22. Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I think it's fair to say, a little bit cheeky. A little bit cheeky in verse 25. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you don't believe. It's a little bit cheeky because they could say, fairly enough, when? Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? We need a four-word answer. I am the Christ, and we'll know. But nowhere in John's Gospel to this point or afterwards does Jesus say it that plainly. Nowhere in these chapters does he say the three little words, I am God. But he, he says, I've told you. And the reason is, he doesn't want to debate about words. He wants to point them to what he's done, to his works. He knows, if he says, I am the Christ, they'll have certain expectations of him that aren't his expectations. If he says, I'm God, well, that helps a bit. But what kind of God? Are you a God like Zeus? Are you a God like Shiva? Are you a God like Allah? Are you a God like Yahweh? And so Jesus says, I don't just want to talk about words. Look at what I've done. So the second half of verse 25 Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you don't believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. That's where I told you. The things I do, the miracles I've done, everything I've done, that's what shows you plainly who I am. So verse 26. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. No one, so they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We'll come back to those verses in a minute. But you see the conclusion of what he's saying? I and the Father are one. I hold on to them. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father holds on to them. No one can take them out of his hand. We are one. We do the same things. So, of course, the New Testament will insist that the Father and Son are one in nature. Colossians 1 says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1, he's the exact representation of his being. But John's point here is not that. John's point is that in what they do, they're a team. They're one. Whatever the Father does, it's not just that the Son agrees, backs it. The Son does it. Whatever the Son does, the Father does it. The Father and I are one in what we do. And the Jews understand what they're saying, verse 31. So again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They understand what he's claiming. I do what the Father does. But once again, he wants to go to his miracles, his works. I've shown you many great miracles. We're not standing you for those. We don't want to talk about those. We're talking about words. You claim to be God. Well, okay, then says Jesus, you want to talk about words? Let's talk about words. And so verse 34, he goes back to Psalm 82. Jesus answered them, is it not written in a law? I've said that you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken... What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I'm God's son. Sorry, it's too, Aaron read it for us earlier. It's addressed to the rulers of God's people, to their leaders, kings, it's not exactly clear when, but the rulers of God's people. And the psalm is very happy to call them gods. Not that they are God, they're people, but the psalm's happy to call them gods because they're doing the kind of things that God does. They have authority from him. They're ruling, they're leading, they're administering God's law. As you can call them gods, not because they actually are, but because the things they do are God kind of things to do. So Jesus says, you want to talk about words, that's in your own Bible. And if you can call them gods, well, what about, verse 36, what about the one the Father set apart as his very own? What about the one that the Father sent into the world? Are you really just over a word? Going to pick up rocks and throw them at me? But again, I don't want to debate about the words. Look at what I've done. Verse 37, do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do it, even though you don't believe me, believe the miracles. That you may know and understand the father is in me and I am the father. But they want none of it, so again they try to seize him, but he escapes their grasp. Jesus says, you want to know? You want me to tell you plainly, are you the Christ, are you not? I'm not just going to give you a, a four-word answer, a one-word answer. But look at what I've done. Look at the fact that I do what the Father does. So of course, yes, he is the Christ. Of course, yes, he is God. He is the Son of God. But if you want to know what those things mean, how to understand those things, to see who Jesus is, Jesus says, you need to know, I am one with the Father in our works. Uh, Verse 38. 
Even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles so that you may know and understand. How do you know and understand? You look at the miracles. What do you know and understand from them? That the Father is in me. That the the things I do, they are my Father working in me, through me. I do the kind of things that my Father does. And I'm in the Father. The things I do, I do in him. I do in his strength. I do in his power with his authority. I do the kind of things my father does. I do them with his authority. We are one in our works. Every now and then you see, don't you, kids, little kids, hopefully, not adults, uh, just trying to play parents off against one another. Um, But daddy said I was allowed to. Actually, I might just ask mummy this one, because on this one she'll be a bit softer than daddy. And one of the, I'm told uh, from their experience, one of the tricks of parenting is to work out how do you avoid that? How do you do it as a team? How do you avoid being played off against each other? Well, Jesus and his father have never had that problem. They are one in their works. Neither one is ever duped into thinking the other one said something. Because they don't just agree, they, they work together. Whatever the father says, the son says. Whatever the son does, the father does. They are one in their works. That's John's big idea. The father and the son, they're one in their works. And how does that help us with the question, am I really a Christian? Well, it helps us because we see the kind of works that they do. Their work is to give eternal life to Jesus' sheep. That's the work that Jesus explains here. That is our central work through John's gospel. He'd be very clear, that's what we do. That's what the Father does. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. I'm here to give eternal life to Jesus' sheep. And it's not just me, it's us. We're one in that work. So I said we'd focus on verse 26 to 29. Look back there now and see the parallels, especially in verse 28 and 29, the parallels between what Jesus does and what the Father does. Verse 28, I give them eternal life, they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Because I and the Father are one. See, both there's giving and there's a hand. If we flip the order so it's chronological, Jesus gives sheep. Sorry, the Father gives sheep to Jesus. And the Father holds on to them. Jesus gives eternal life to his sheep. And he holds on to them. The Father and the Son, they're united in giving and they're united in holding on. Two weeks ago, I was in Ethiopia. We were teaching kids during the week and then I had a couple of days at the end holiday and went to a mountain range called Garolta. It's beautiful, uh, northern Ethiopia. And uh, we <laughs> climbed up one mountain, 400 meter climb, something like that. Kind of steep walk, not bare face. Someone was up for that, but we weren't. Uh, so climbing up this 400 meter mountain, it's stunning. But the combination of being pretty high to start with, so the air is quite thin, and that there aren't the kind of health and safety rules in Ethiopia you'd get in this country. There are a couple of bits you wouldn't be allowed to do if you were climbing in this country. So we were glad we had a couple of guides with us. And, and these guys, they were impressive. Uh, they clearly knew their way around. They knew what was safe, what wasn't. They knew which routes to take. But they were just solid on their feet. They clearly spent their life running up and down these mountains that we could barely crawl up. And they were solid. So a couple of parts, precipices, that kind of thing. They would just stand there solid and offer a hand. 
And you know, for some, just kind of take the hand. That's just a reassuring thing. I think I'm all right on my feet, but it's reassuring. For some who are a little bit nervous, they'd basically take you and just throw you up these bits. But in their hands, because they're solid, because they know what they're doing, you're safe. And that is Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. That is what a shepherd was like in these times. They spent their life up and down these hills. They were solid. With a sheep in their hand, the sheep is safe. But verse 29, in case we're not convinced. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So it's not just the good shepherd's hand that you're in, but the father who's greater than all. Because God is a little bit like King Kong. Uh, you've seen the iconic picture, King Kong up the side of the Empire State Building with a girl in his hand, and she is secure. Uh, the plane's flying around the great height. Nothing is going to take her out of King Kong's hand. Now, God is not like King Kong. Uh, his purposes are much more kind. But in that, his hands are huge, and she is secure. No one can take them out of that hand. And Jesus says, that's what you've got. The good shepherd has you in his hand if you're one of his sheep. The Father has you in his hand if you're one of his sheep. So the Father and Son are utterly united in giving life, eternal life, to Jesus' sheep. But that is the bit we just need to understand. Who are Jesus' sheep? Am I one of them? Am I not? Are you one of them? Are you not? Who are Jesus' sheep? So you can it like this. Imagine two pens, we'll call them fields. Two fields full of sheep. I was going to bring some plastic sheep, but I didn't, so we can imagine. Uh, two fields. And a field here, which is the world. Uh, it's a pretty big field with, what, seven billion sheep in it. And a field over here, which is Jesus' sheep. And what is the, the difference? What is the fundamental, basic, foundational difference between those two fields? It's not what we would probably expect. Jesus says in verse 26 to the Pharisees, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now I think most of us instinctively would write that verse the other way around. You're not my sheep because you don't believe. So we think there's two fields and you choose. You choose. I'm going to believe in Jesus and go over here. I'm going to not believe in Jesus and go over here. And we think the thing that makes the difference between where I am, fundamentally, foundationally, I've chosen. I've believed or I haven't believed, and so I'm here or I'm here. And Jesus says, no, it's not that you're not my sheep because you haven't believed. He says, verse 26, in black and white, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. There's something more foundational that determines which of those fields we're in than whether we choose to believe. And Jesus said it in verse 26, sorry, verse 29. The foundational thing is this, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. You can imagine the Father with his giant hands coming to the field that is the world and scooping up hundreds, thousands, millions of sheep and giving them to Jesus. My Father who has given them to me. And so Jesus says fundamentally, foundationally, how do you know the difference? The Father has given these sheep to me. That's what it rests on. 
And so first and foremost, before this is a a comfort to my friend eight days ago, this passage is a warning to the Pharisees. It's a warning to those who are so determined to get rid of Jesus that they'd pick up stones and throw them at him. To those who so hate what he has to say that they just won't listen beyond the sound bites, that they won't look, they won't investigate. Maybe, to some here today, this is a warning. That there is no other way into God's field, into Jesus' field, than being given to him by the Father. And so the Pharisees need a wake-up call. They can't play these two off against each other. There's no way to come to God, the Father, apart from through Jesus. There's no way to be Jesus apart from being given to him by the Father. For some, for those who would hate Jesus, want nothing to do with him, this is the warning. But it's probably not, probably not uh, for us here. These are so angry with Jesus, they're throwing rocks. They probably wouldn't sit uh, in a Christian church on a Sunday morning in August. And so as we finish, two other characters, imaginary characters. Flippant Fee and Anxious Arnold. Flippant Fee, Anxious Arnold. What does this passage, Jesus' words here, say to Flippant Fee, Anxious Arnold? Obviously not real people, caricatures, caricatures. But like most characters, probably there's something of both of them in most of us, probably. Have a listen and see what you think. So Flippant Fee. Flippant Fee says, well, if fundamentally, foundationally, it's up to God, if he says I'm going to pick some people up and take them out of this field and give them to Jesus, it's out of my hands. It's just out of my hands. And so if I'm not a Christian, I guess that's just because God hasn't done the sheep thing. And so I'll just walk out and go, well, that's that. And if at some point God wants to zap me and make me one of his sheep, then he can do that. But until then, well, this says it's not in my hands. Jesus would say to flippant fear, that's not what I think this means. So you can draw that conclusion if you like from this teaching, but you have to know it's different from the conclusion that Jesus draws. You have to know that's different from the conclusion that Jesus draws from this, because Jesus, through John's Gospel, through every Gospel, Jesus asks people, Jesus commands people, Jesus pleads with people, come to me. Jesus says just four chapters earlier in John 6, no one who comes to me will ever be cast away. There will be no one in the final judgment who says to God, I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to believe in Jesus. I wanted to have life. But you didn't give me to Jesus. You didn't give me the chance. There'll be no one who says that. No one who comes to me will ever be cast away, Jesus says. And so Jesus says, what do you do with this? What does Fee do with this? Well, Fee needs to be woken up. Because the the reality is, again, Jesus in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can just decide one day, I'm going to move from one field to the other. No one can decide, I'm going to change. (coughs) Jesus says that this is a wake-up. For someone like Fee, who says, well, whatever. Jesus says, no, you need to know the situation is desperate. (coughs) And you need to know that if you come to Jesus, he'll be ready, he'll be willing, he'll be waiting. Verse 27, 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. Even today, these words, Jesus longs for someone like Fee, that these words would mean that she comes to him, that she hears them, that she follows him, that she receives life. That's flippant for you. She may be here. I don't know. Anxious Arnold. Anxious Arnold. That's my friend at the beginning. Am I really a Christian? Or maybe it's, I am a Christian, but am I really going to keep going? I've been a Christian a few years. I've seen the mistakes I've made, the, the ways I've messed it up. God willing, I have quite a few years ahead of me. What if I just bog it? Anxious Arnold. And again, verse 27 and 28, what Anxious Arnold needs to hear. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Jesus' Jesus' explanation of who his sheep are is very simple. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. And so the questions for Arnold are questions like, do you listen to Jesus' voice? When you read the Bible, if it if it is clearly the voice of Jesus, of your father, of your shepherd, if you read it and say, yes, like Peter earlier in John's Gospel, where else could I go? These are the words of eternal life. Jesus' sheep do that. My sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. Arnold, do you follow Jesus? Of course not perfectly, but... The greatest command, Jesus gave the greatest instruction, repent and believe daily. We're going to mess things up. But do you follow Jesus' word to confess your failure, to turn around, to come back to Jesus? That's what Jesus' sheep do. Only those who are in Jesus' field, in Jesus' pen, who are Jesus' sheep, can do that. His sheep are the ones who listen to his voice, who he knows and who follow him. And so Jesus would say to Arnold, and I suspect to many of us, you need to know that if you listen to my voice, that is a sign that something astonishing has happened. That is a sign that you've been given by my Father to me. I'm not going to throw away those that my Father's given to me. You need to know that I'm the shepherd who's died for my sheep, for every one that the Father has given me. I'm not going to change my mind. Nothing more costly than dying for you is going to come along. And I hold you. The hand that made the universe, the mighty arm that rescued the people out of Egypt, the hand that because I loved you was nailed to a cross, the hand that will one day wipe every tear from each eye of every one of God's people holds you now. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Am I a Christian? That's the question. Do I hear Jesus' voice? Do I hear it as his voice, as a voice of life? Do I follow him? In one sense, very simple questions. 
For those who are my sheep, verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand because I and the Father are one. Those who he's committed to hold to, I'm committed to hold on to. Those who I'm committed to hold on to, he's committed to hold on to. We are one. And our work is to give life, eternal life, to Jesus. Should we pray together again? Our Father, of course, there are many questions that we wonder, many wobbles that we have at different times on different issues. But Father, please would you give us clarity, please would you give us confidence for each one here on our answer to this question, am I one of Jesus' sheep? Father, please would, uh, to know that we continue to listen to your voice. And please, as we hear assurance, like hear comfort, promises that we're safe, please, by your spirit, would we continue to listen, to believe, to follow, to trust. And we thank you that then we find ourselves in hands that are so strong, so secure, so faithful, so kind, that we can know that as weak as we are, as failures as we are, Jesus' sheep will never perish. We ask in his name. Amen.